Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everyone, my name is Alex. My name is Ashley. And welcome. We are the hosts of the B4 podcast. And today's episode marks the start of a new series of conversations that we are calling Grace and the Tension. Yeah, because we've had some conversations about conversations that you've been having with people in the congregation. And it seems like we're coming up against a lot of similar subjects of how do we live as Christians who are in the world, but not of the world, and how do we interact with things? Yeah, and I think we've all heard that phrase. If you've been around the church at all, what yes. does it look like to be in the world, but not of the world? Yes. But the practical application, especially on the result, uh, you know, coming off of the last 12 months that we have had, has been been um, messy. Messy is a great way to say it. <laughs> and I think in the reality is it always has been messy. Yes, it definitely has always been messy. But I think and you can speak a little bit to this of what are some of the things that you as a pastor that's having people email and call yeah. you and that kind of thing. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing the effects of this kind of polarization and just the mess of culture currently? Yeah. I mean, what am I not seeing? That's the better <laughs> question. I I mean, I could run down the list of things in the last you know, year, whether it's political unrest, social mm-hmm. injustice, the pandemic, um, gosh, I mean, uh, economic uncertainty, mm-hmm. market fluctuations, um, racism, anti-racism. Um, there could be a million different issues. But uh, the thing is about this last year is that it seemed like most of those hot topic, topic issues all got shoved into a really small period of time. Mm-hmm. And so the conversations have ha- have been very frequent and very emotionally charged, mm-hmm. but they've been some of my most favorite conversations all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think even though all the things that you just listed, it's a, you know a very wide berth of topics that people are struggling with. But the thing that we have in common on those is that we often have a hard time, like there's sides. And right. we often have a hard time listening to people on those sides. So like, right. how have you kind of seen that at work? Yeah. I mean, think about this. Our society is kind of built around teams, sides. Yes. Not different. just sports teams, although we love those. Right. Right. I mean, you could say it's political teams, right? Yes. I belong to this party or that party. Are you blue, red, an elephant or a donkey? Yeah. Or are you a libertarian or well, are you, you know, part of the green party or yeah, <laughs> the, the, the platypus. Party. Yeah. I mean, you, you could be literally all over the map, but in essence, there's this desire to want to throw on a jersey, right? Yes. In, in Portland, you know, we're like, hey, we're Blazer fans, and mm-hmm. Blazer fans don't like Laker fans, and mm-hmm. we argue over Timbers something. Timbers fans hate Sounders, Sounders fans. There you go. Um, we argue over things as arbitrary as basketball games, but yes. sometimes those arguments get very heated and very personal. But it's become commonplace for us to pick what we want to identify with. And when we do, we pick that thing, that team, that person, that political party, that um, uh, way of thinking. We're also at the same time canceling out the people that don't agree with us. That's typically what we do. So like you said, if you pick the Timbers, mm-hmm. you're automatically saying, I can't I'm pick the anti-Sounders. I'm anti-Sounders. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it's been interesting because that has been kind of the way our world has worked for 
almost ever, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like yeah. this is kind of not new. We see this pattern in ancient civilizations and cultures, mm-hmm. and we see it today as well. This is our human propensity to gravitate towards things that we like and want mm-hmm. and to move away from things that we don't like and don't yes. want. It's a natural reaction exactly, in our natural selves. Exactly. However, Jesus does something that's really irritating for our natural proclivities to move away from things that we don't like. Mm -hmm. He kind of forces us to have to come together. Mm -hmm. So the challenge has been in the last year, um, how do we do that? How does somebody who has a Timbers jersey look across the aisle to somebody wearing a Sounders jersey and find that they're a human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that they actually might have more in common And there can be some civility, maybe some love, some grace towards one another. Yeah. And I think in talking about this kind of season and series of conversations, that's kind of what we're getting to. And and that's what we're hoping to talk about in the next several episodes of the podcast is how, as Christians, ultimately our jersey is a Jesus jersey. Right. And not any of the elephants or the sounders or any of that. Right. It's Jesus first. And so how can we be in loving relationship with each other as Christians, but also we're also called Jesus says, love your enemies. So how, what does that look like to love and have grace for someone without entering into what we're now seeing, which is a little bit of like, if I don't agree with you, I cannot be a part of anything that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a term for that in our culture right now. It's called cancel culture. It is called cancel culture. And if you would like to do some research on the internet, there's some fascinating things. (laughs) There is. I think you showed me an article earlier. It was like the top 10 celebrities canceled in the last year. Top 10 celebrities that were canceled in 2020. Yeah. And, and if you're listening and you've never heard of cancel culture, um, you've probably been living under a rock. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> you might not have heard the term, but you you've seen it happen. Heard, yeah, that's the thing. You might not have heard of the term, but you've definitely either seen it happen, it's either happened to you, or you felt the effects of it happening mm-hmm. around you. It basically is this. There's an overarching idea that of shared belief from some people that takes a level of popularity to some degree. And if you as an individual hold an idea that disagrees with that, you can be quickly canceled by the masses. Yes, or even a lot of the celebrity uh, Cancels, issues yeah, have yeah. been, oh, you did this thing 15 years ago and right. a picture of it has surfaced. And so now everything that you've ever done that was good in your career has been negated by this thing that now is either was, is either actually wrong or is right. now politically incorrect that may or may not have been politically correct at the time. Right, which also speaks to our title, Grace and the Tension, because... Yes. Often cancel culture, it's very fascinating. It's actually a culture that's built on shame without Mm -hmm. any grace. Mm -hmm. So its desire is to target and find something that you should be canceled for, identify what that is, regardless if it was 20 years ago and you were a middle schooler and you had no idea what you were tweeting or not. Doesn't matter, it happened 20 years later, you lost your career, you lost your job, you lost your spouse, you lost your friends, yes. whatever it would be. And even one of the examples that were on the celebrity list was an example where the person wasn't even guilty of the thing, but was falsely sure. accused of something or like people suspected that she had a secret Instagram account that wasn't even actually her. There was no evidence, <laughs> but she got canceled because of it. Yeah. So it's giving people who it's a it's a culture of tearing people down right. of if i can find a hole in your character i'm going to shine a light on it i'm going to rip it open as much as i can yeah. instead of the culture of yeah. grace which is basically the opposite of yeah. that. Yeah. In the New Testament, Paul talks about this idea of dividing walls of hostility and there were things in antiquity 
parts of their culture where if you didn't line up with certain beliefs and ideas, you'd be canceled. Mm -hmm. So cancel culture isn't a new thing. It takes a different shape and form. Um, but the Bible speaks to it in antiquity and ancient times then. And those principles are still applicable to the world that we live in today. Yeah, I was thinking this morning about how many Bible characters would be canceled <laughs> under today's <laughs> right. uh, prescriptions. Because you think about most of the people that get a lot of space in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus, they all have some period of their life that's cancelable. Right. So you have Abraham, who has the whole thing with Hagar. Also, he lies right. about his wife. So he's kind of got two or three <laughs> things in there. You've got Moses, who kills somebody, and then he kind of you know doesn't do the right thing with the rock at a certain point in time. You have David, who commits adultery and kills like all of these people right. God sees these people he sees what they do and he does not cancel them instead he usually takes that terrible thing that that person did and weaves it into their story in a really beautiful way yeah. that is a demonstration of us of what grace looks like and grace right. is getting what you don't deserve right and they didn't deserve necessarily after right. again they should have been canceled right um what they received of being in god's story but that's what god does that's yeah. that's how god operates yeah i and i, I just to emphasize what you said again grace is getting something you don't deserve. Right. Which, and, and again, like, I think often we don't think about that enough. Grace is a gift that you get that yes. you did not deserve. Yes. And um, that's the whole idea of grace. It's undeserving. And when you look at Matthew's gospel, and specifically the very first chapter, you see this list of names, to your point, mm -hmm. all of these individuals that fit within the line of Jesus— those people should be disqualified. Yes, multiples of those people. <laughs> right, right. They've done so many awful, horrible things and some good things, mm -hmm. right? Which is grace. It's the definition of grace. And this is why our world, I think, is so desperate for grace. Yes. Because we live in a graceless society. That's what it's mm -hmm. become. And the gospel of Jesus is introduced in the midst of it and introduces this new idea, really, that God wants to give you something you did not deserve on the basis of his goodness, not on your merit. Right, right. So, yeah, I like to say, as far as grace goes, you can never do anything so great that you've earned something from God, yeah. and nor can you ever do something so terrible that God is never going to give you yeah. something again. Yeah, that's good. Yes. I really like that. Is Thank that an you. original Ashley quote? I I don't know. I might have like heard <laughs> it somewhere and then like tweaked it a little bit, but I, I like it. And yeah. I've used it in a couple of things. No, that's really good. So culture doesn't always have the best methods when it comes to pointing things out. But if we look at history and even our own lives, I think we could say the yeah. church isn't always great at that either. Yeah. I think that's honest and humble. And yes. I think that's the stance we must take. When you look at the major issues that have surfaced over the last year, whether it's racism, economic inequality, political unrest, um, uh, LGBTQ plus sort of treatment of people, um, the least of these, the poor and the marginalized in our society, the church has had a bad track record, not mm -hmm. consistently grace-filled track record of no. loving and serving those people. There are always pockets where you can right. say, wow, that is God's grace and that is a beautiful thing. But we can also think of a lot of examples. Like yeah. I can even think of my own church history of there was a girl that came to our college group and she had at some point done some drugs mm -hmm. and her brain, she was not 100% all the way there. And so she often dominated conversation. She was sure. kind of difficult to be around. And I wasn't, 
I was at school when she first came, so I didn't really know her and then came to the college group one time and was like, oh, like, I feel like this is the kind of person that we should be like making space for. And there was another girl in that group that was like, oh, I just can't stand this girl being here. She like, I can't ever get a word wedgewise. Like, please don't invite her to lunch with us after church kind of a thing. And not to poop on that girl. (laughs) She was just frustrated and had some legitimate frustrations. Because again, the girl was difficult to be around. But just like a very practical example of that's just a small way that a lack of grace can come across. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as Christians today, um, sometimes we are inheriting decades or generations of behavior towards people Yes, that um, maybe you and I didn't have direct response to, right? right. We see biblical precedents though, like in Nehemiah for um, identifying personally with the sins of past generations. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you are listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Go read the book of Nehemiah. Go read his <laughs> prayer, repenting for the exile of um, the uh, God's people. Um, he had nothing to do with it directly. No. But he came from a line of people that did. And if you read the Lent devotional, we read the book of Lamentations where Jeremiah does the same thing. Yeah, he exactly. confesses on behalf of the people things that he was not guilty of, right. but he's seen this is a thing that's generally happening. I, as an individual, may be doing everything I can against this thing, right. but I'm still operating in a system where this is an overarching yeah. concept. And it's important for us to like mention that, that there's biblical precedence for that, because oftentimes in some of these more, I don't know, hot topic debate Mm -hmm. issues, our initial response as Christians is to get defensive. Yes. And we really shouldn't. Like really, like if there is and has been mistreatment of people in the name of Jesus, and there has been for thousands of years, we should own what we can of that, repent of that, and learn so that we can move forward in a fresh and different yeah, way. It's just like in real life, if you have a blind spot in your life, you're never going to accidentally fix that. Right. You have to you bring light to, to it in order for you to be able to grow. Absolutely. And so, you know, kind of part of our motivation really to have this series of conversations is to be willing to, in humility, put a light on what some of those blind spots might be for the church today and also for us as individual followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not to beat anybody up, but to recognize that there are ways we can grow Mm -hmm. to live like Jesus in a difficult culture. That's exactly why we picked the term grace and tension. Yes. And in a lot of ways, the church has bought into this idea of cancel culture. Right. Um, And we've done a lot of the exact same things of the public shaming of individuals when something has come out with a sin. Like if you think about all, you know, there's been hundreds of thousands of pastors over the years that have had some sort of sin that's been revealed in their lives, whether that's, you know, what it doesn't matter what it is. And then, you know, does that mean that everything that that pastor did didn't count? Does that mean that that person is now outside of the church? How do we respond when things like that happen? Because guess what? They're going to happen because we're humans. They, They are. And the other side of this too, if you're hearing this and you've been on the raw end of a Christian who's behaved anything unlike Jesus, first off, we apologize for that. We're not trying to defend that in any way, shape, or form or explain it away with grace. There are ramifications for sin. There there are consequences for these actions. There were for people who received grace in the Bible, just like there are for people who receive grace today. But we have seen over the last year in particular quite a few Christian leaders in our world fall Mm-hmm. And um, fell from you know uh, all sorts of different issues, things that they've done, um, things that you know maybe came out after 
mm-hmm. they passed away. Um, yes. Or things that have come up after they stepped away from the pulpit or mm-hmm. whatever it would be. And the wake of the damage that creates is pretty significant in people's lives. And yet it's by grace that God uses any of us at mm-hmm. any point in time. And that's sort of what we're trying to get at too. Is Yeah, it's not to excuse behavior that is sinful because mm-hmm. that's not a thing. It's inexcusable. It right. is inexcusable. And there are, as you said, there are always consequences to that. Right. But it's to say that if the standard that we're holding people up to is perfection, we're all going to fail that standard. Right. And giving people the grace that you would want where you in that situation is what our goal should be. Of yeah. God has been so gracious to us and he tells us in exchange we are to treat others in the same way. Well, if the standard isn't perfection, then what is the standard? Well, obviously the Sunday school answer, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the standard. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, I think we can't say like, oh, we all need to be 100% like Jesus because we know that that is not physically possible. Jesus sure. was both God and man. He's got some stuff going on that we don't have. Sure. Um, at the same time, you can have like the original when I think about standard and you're thinking about ruler, when you're like tracing on a ruler, that's your model. You're going to be as close Mm. to the edge of that ruler as you can possibly be. And, you know, even me in like, you know, middle school geometry or whatever, I'm not going to do that perfectly. There's going to be bumps under the piece of paper. There's going to, I'm going to, my hand's going to shake, whatever. It's not going to be the exact straight line, but you should be able to tell by looking at my piece of paper that I was using a ruler. Just like people should be able to look at our lives and see that we're moving towards looking like Jesus, even if we never a hundred percent get there. Yeah. No, that's, I like that. I like that picture of the ruler <laughs> and everything. That's that's Just really cool. Into my head. <laughs> no, it's really good. And um, I I think about Jesus as the full representation of God. Right? He mm-hmm. is the full image of God. And human beings are called image bearers of mm-hmm. God. And we see in the Bible this reality that sin has sort of fractured that. So there's bits and pieces of every human that still is a reflection of who God is. But the only way we can fully live up to who we were created to be is Jesus. Right. He is the full picture of what we should be, right? So he is that ruler that helps us figure out how to actually um, thrive and live as human beings in this world the way God intended us to be. Um, So there are certain ways that he did that. Yes. Certain stories that we cling on to that we yes. find throughout um, his biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, throughout the New Testament that guide us in that. What are a few that come to mind of ways that Jesus would have lived in the tension with grace? I think there's a lot of like a lot of the stories just about Jesus, who Jesus associated with uh, when he was on earth, that he was willing to associate with people that we would probably be like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> today, like he's hanging out with the tax collectors. I don't know what a modern equivalent to a tax collector would be, but he was also <laughs> hanging out with prostitutes and people who were known as being drunkards right. and gluttons and all of these things. And he was willing to associate with the people that society was not really into. Yeah. At the same time, he also was willing to hang out with the re- people in the religious establishment, even though yeah. he disagreed with a lot of what they were doing. Yeah. So I think his ability ability to interact with anybody, whether he agreed with their lifestyle choices or not, whether he agreed with their theology or not, whether he agreed with anything about them or not, he saw them as God saw them, which was a loved creature of God made in his image. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you were talking about the kind of people Jesus hangs out with and I was thinking about his disciples. Like these are the people he's going <laughs> to What a pick. Motley crew. What a Motley crew. These are the people he wants to pick to turn the world upside down. And the gospel writers explicitly 
t- focus on these two different pe- people, Matthew Levi, a tax collector, mm-hmm. and then Simon, Simon, the zealot. Yes, that would be like having a Bernie Sanders supporter and a Trump supporter <laughs> in the same car all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's a tame version of what that might <laughs> yes. be. I mean, it's it's like having a, a, a Nazi Germany like oh, yes. um, and a Jewish man come together and um, learn how to call each other brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is two people. And if you, you're listening to this, you're like, what is a zealot? A zealot is literally a religious, um, uh, gosh, what would be the right term? Like They were a religious militant. group. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were a, a militant religious group bent on um, nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted the Jewish people to overthrow the Roman power and to establish this eternal kingdom of heaven. Well, the tax collectors were Jewish. They men. were in bed with Rome. <laughs> yeah, they were stealing money from their fellow fellow Jewish people to pay the Romans. And so, there's nothing that no one that the zealots hated more mm-hmm. on the planet than the Romans, except for the tax collectors. Yes, because they were traitors. <laughs> so Jesus calls both of them to follow him, and then calls them into this life and calls them brothers. Yeah, to be in and, a relationship. Yeah, exactly. So if Jesus did that then we should do that. Mm-hmm. There is a reality that like, if we're gonna call ourselves Christians, little Christ, people who are trying to follow Jesus, we don't just get to pick which side of that group we like the most right. that fits with our worldview. We actually get to be bridge builders, bringing those kind of people together. And that is exactly why we're talking about this stuff and why we want to talk about grace and the tension is getting into some of the weeds of what does that actually look like to create those conversations? What does it look like to listen to people on the other side? And those are some of the things that we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Sounds great. We're going to take some time each week to answer questions that people have been sending over the Mm -hmm. last few months and even into the last year. Um, We're going to try our best to respond to the questions that are coming in. We already have some of those in the queue, but if you're listening to this and you have questions that are coming up, we would love for you to send those into us so that we can take some time to respond to them as many as we can on the podcast. Yes. And if you have a particular question, you can send that question to podcasts at b4church.org and we'll get those. And again, we'll try our best to respond to them. We, If we don't get to respond to them here, we will respond to them individually. Yes. Um, but we're so thankful that you guys were here today. Again, please send us your questions. We'd love that. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend. It's the best way we get more people listening. If you take the time to rate us and review us on iTunes, that's also super helpful and helps other people to find our show. If you haven't already, we would strongly encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or or iTunes so that you never miss one of our episodes and we will see you guys next week. Well, hey everybody, thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.